Hello and welcome to app number four of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us once again, wherever you are listening today. I'm your host, as always, Robbie Cox. Big show to bring you today with Australian team member who has already booked her spot on the Australian team for the Tokyo Olympics. And of course, I'm talking about our 10-kilometer women's open water champion, Karina Lee. But before we get to that interview in a few moments' time, I just wanted to assure everyone out there that with all the craziness going on in the world at the moment, and let's be honest, there is a lot of craziness with toilet paper shortages and fights in supermarkets over pasta and rice. I mean, come on, people, seriously, get a hold of yourselves. Apart from all of that, Off The Block Swing podcast will still be coming to you every two weeks. Uh, We have some massive interviews lined up coming your way over the next month with Aussie swimming legend and member of the famous 4x100 metre men's freestyle relay from the Sydney Olympics, Ashley Callis. We also have Australian and Queensland swimming's fastest rising star, Lani Pallister. Some big interviews also still to be recorded. We've got Brett Hawke coming on for a chat, Alicia Coots, and also Jessica Ashwood all appearing in upcoming episodes. So we have a lot of content coming your way, people, and hopefully a welcome distraction from everything you have to watch and hear at the moment on all your media platforms. So now that I've set your mind at ease, let's get stuck into ep number four. So make sure you're well hydrated. Grab your snacks and turn the volume up wherever you may be listening today because our chat with Karina Lee starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining us today on the show is a superstar of open water swimming right now. She's competed all over the world in recent years, including Hungary, Portugal, Japan, Qatar, and South Korea, racing against the best open water competitors the globe has to offer. In 2018, she won a silver medal at the Pan Pacific Championships in Tokyo, and she's also the current 10-kilometer Australian open water champion, winning gold this past January down in Adelaide, and was one of the first Aussies to book her spot on the team for Tokyo. This time, though, she will be heading down for the Olympic Games. It is a very warm welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Karina Lee. How are you, mate? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Now, mate, I am coming to you today from uh, our studios down in Sydney. And by studios, I just, I mean my house. So uh, <laughs> where have we caught you today? I'm in my house as well. <laughs> oh, much more comfy. But you're up in uh, Queensland, so I'm assuming the weather's probably a little bit warmer and a little bit better. Yeah, I'm up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. It's actually quite a warm day today. It's 33 degrees up here. Yeah, so you can't complain. You're living the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, did you train today? Um, I'm, we'll be training in just a couple of hours this afternoon, yeah. So what does a Friday afternoon set look like for you? Um, our Friday afternoon sets are usually just a little bit 
easier because um, usually we have super Saturday sessions on a Saturday morning. So um, we'll still do around seven kilometers, but it'll be probably some pool work. Yeah, so less intense. Less intense, yeah. What is a super Saturday? That wasn't a question I had lined up, but I've got to ask (laughs) it now. What's a super Saturday? Uh, So usually we get into our uh, open water suits uh, and we we just do um, a really hard session. Um, It's not the same every every week, but a classic one is um, 10 400s best average and then followed by 10 100s max. 10 400s. I love it. I mean, the, the swimmers wouldn't love it, but I, as a coach, I love it. 10 400s. <laughs> Mate, now yeah. for some of the listeners uh, out there today, this might be the first time they're being introduced to you. So this mm-hmm. is a good chance for all of us to get to know you a little bit more and about your journey so far. So let's let's go right back to the start before we build up to where you're at now. What are mm-hmm. your earliest memories uh, of swimming as a youngster? Um, my earliest memories, well, I don't know if they're my memories, but I know my parents keep telling me that they um, had me in the backyard pool as a little baby. Yep. And apparently I just I just loved it and I loved to be underwater and they had to like kept, keep on like, you know, pulling me out of yeah, the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of where I first learned to swim and then I kind of went into lessons after that at our local swimming pool. Um, that's Yeah, that's probably the earliest, but... Um, I do remember at, at five years old when I had my first swimming competition, um, I was in the, I think it was a 25 metre backstroke event and I was in the very first heat and I won my heat and I was just so excited. I thought I had won everything yeah, and I, I was so, 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 so excited and little did I know that I was actually racing all the heats after me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and my dad kind of was was trying to calm me down, saying, you know, like there's a there's a lot of other competitors. You did amazing, but those those other heats will probably be a lot faster than you. And um, yeah, we kind of looked at the results at the end. and I actually got third, so oh, really I was good. just I was just so happy to yeah. to get a medal, and I I couldn't believe it. I think that's where I first got hooked. Yeah, that's so funny. You see that so often with a lot of the swimmers that are new to competing and they don't really mm. realise about, as you said, that there's so many heats and they yeah, touch yeah. the wall in heat one and they're, you know, they're cheering and they're splashing the water <laughs> and you're like, well, mate, well done. I'm excited for you, but yeah. there's seven more heats to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, you touched on it there at five years old, but did you pick it up easy in terms of competition, uh, competition sorry? Were you a natural swimmer in that sense? Yeah, like in competitions like they're – they're one of my favorite things to do. I, I absolutely love competing and, and I live for that bit of adrenaline rush when you, when you do compete. And, um, yeah, there, there is so many ups and downs in competition, but yeah, I just kind of, I just love it so much. And I, I do train really, really hard and I do love the training as well, but yeah, nothing compares to the competition. Yeah. Who were your heroes growing up when you were a swimmer? Who did you look up to? When you're a I really, swimmer, I, I, you're still a swimmer. Sorry. I should have said that way. When you're a younger swimmer, <laughs> yeah. Um, Susie O'Neill was was definitely my absolute idol. Um, I just I remember her watching her at uh, the 2000 Olympics and and just thought she was incredible. And um, I I decided from that moment that I was going to be Madame Butterfly when I grew up. Yeah, and um. 
yeah, so I went back to my coach and said that I wanted to, to work on my butterfly and um, we, we did do that and I got to my first state championships and I won a medal, I think, in the 100 backstroke and I don't think I even made a final in the 100 butterfly, but I was yeah. still adamant that I was going to be a butterflyer. Yeah. Um, I think it took till I was about 16 to actually win a medal in, in a butterfly event. Yeah. Um, well, you stuck and, at it. Yeah, I, I did stick at it, and then and then even at eighteen, I broke my I broke a state record in the butterfly. Um, but freestyle was still kind of that that was taking over, and distance freestyle, and I think yeah, butterfly just kind of got got pushed back a little bit. <laughs> now, around um, what age did you start getting? I know you're competitive at five, but what age mm-hmm. did you start noticing that you know you were up there in terms of results? Yeah. Um, I think I was like I was a bit of a late bloomer. I think my my first um, national medal wasn't until I was seventeen, um, and I made my first junior team at at eighteen yeah. for the pool swimming um, for the eight hundred and fifteen hundred. But kind of before that, my main sport was actually surf life saving. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did do pool swimming, but my heart was definitely in surf life saving, and um, all of my coaches were, were always telling me that I had to make a choice because things started clashing and I, it was just getting impossible to kind of do both of them. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I think about 17 was when I actually decided that that's I would I would put some focus into um, into the pool swimming a bit more. Yeah, that's when I started, started achieving, started getting up there in my age group. Um, and when I was... 18 um and and did make that first junior team it was junior pan packs um i got offered to do the open water there too mm-hmm. um i'd never i'd never done a 10k open water in my life before and that was so daunting and and my first answer to when they asked me i was like definitely definitely not <laughs> <laughs> i would never do a, a 10k open water that is yeah. just so far uh, and then my coach he really wanted me to do it, and he and he convinced me to do it. And it was after all the pool events, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah. And um, yeah, so my first open water was was done in Hawaii, and it was the most beautiful place to say, do start. your first open water swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and it it wasn't as bad as I I thought it was going to be. I mean, it, it hurt a lot, and I had so much to learn. But but I kind of liked the idea that there was still a lot to learn in it, and. Yeah. Um, Yes, I just wanted to find out more about it. Mate, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, doing stuff outside of swimming. Did you play any other mm-hmm. sports growing up? Um, I did a bit of dancing yep. when I was growing up, um, and then I I did a little bit of basketball. It probably only lasted a few months though, and I, I figured out that I just definitely didn't have the coordination on land <laughs> for that. <laughs> Yeah. So you've, um, <laughs> so you've been in the pool pretty much the whole time, though. So you've dabbled a little bit here and there, but other than that, swimming's been the mainstay. Yeah, definitely. Very nice. Now, one thing I like to do here with all the guests is take them back, as I said, into your younger years, and especially into training, and see if you had any bad habits. So <laughs> many of the squad swimmers today have a few bad habits coming through. 
And I just wanted to see if you, honestly though, not not telling you lies, uh, had any of these as well growing up. So this might make uh, some of the swimmers out there now that are listening feel a little bit better knowing that Australian team members have done this as well. So I'll run through the list and then you just say yes or no. Okay. So feet on the bottom of the pool during laps, bouncing off the bottom. No. No, look at you go already. Off to a win. Uh, <laughs> going to the toilet mid-set to have a rest. Well, y- y- yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, they always say to go to the toilet, but we all know yes. that it's just to have that rest. <laughs> uh, what about pulling on the lane ropes in backstroke? No. Ah, backstroke champion. You just said that before too. <laughs> uh, and one, one of my pet peeves is when swimmers are last in the pool. Were you slow to get in the pool? Uh, yes, probably, probably in my younger years, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there you go. So even Australian team members had bad habits growing up that hopefully, I'm hoping that they've grown out of, but yeah, no, yes, no, definitely grown out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, now, you weren't always an open water specialist, as we just talked about before, and mm. you did very well in the pool as well growing up. What were some of your favourite events to race in the pool? Uh... I I really loved um, the the hard events. I I really loved the four hundred IM and the two hundred fly. Yeah. Um, and I I I really liked the eight hundred free as well. I didn't start doing fifteen hundreds till a little bit later, but yeah, I I really liked those hard ones. They they gave me a bit of a challenge, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed them. What did you enjoy then, most? Was it the challenge or? Yeah, I think I think it was the challenge, and that like you know everyone after it would be like, oh my god, I don't know how you do those events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're exactly. like, yeah, I'm tough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't have to go and go fifty. I can I can do that yeah. eight times. Um, <laughs> mate, a lot of swimmers right now have big meets coming up, or they're trying to qualify for for nationals or state uh, junior states, things like that, and they've all mm-hmm. got things that they're struggling with. For example, uh, you know, learning to deal with a big race. Um, program so if they've got nationals mm. and they're swimming five times uh, you know they've got seven eight events or maybe it's nerves before a race did you have anything in your sort of junior career that you had to overcome and learn from yeah like before before races like big races I used to I, I don't know if you would call it nerves but I used to get like super super excited and it and it really like worked me up a bit yeah and um I had to try to learn how to bring myself down a little bit because it, it did use a lot of energy mm. uh, and I also had this thing where I if I did something before a race and I did a good race I would have to incorporate that kind of into my race plan every time mm. so f- for example I used to like I watched Spongebob square pants um (laughs) before a race once and i'd swim really good so the next race i had to watch that and then and then uh another time i listened to music in a certain order Mm -hmm. um and then the next time i had to listen to the music in that order and then i I had a piece of banana bread and then the next time i had to have a piece of banana (laughs) bread and just kept on adding on and i'd get really distressed if if something wasn't available or if I couldn't do that certain thing and yep. and I'd kind of put an end to my race already and and that's something that I, I had to to realize that that wasn't healthy healthy to do mm, mm. um to an extent yeah it, it's great to have like little rituals you do before your race but that just got a bit, a bit too much and um yeah to 
to kind of get past those those little problems I did I went to see a sports psychologist and we and we talked through that and that was that was really helpful and yeah. and I've now come up with a, a race plan like a pre-race race plan that um that doesn't involve so much and that that it does have flexibility to tr- to change and yeah. um I've come up with ways of um dealing with that that excitement um I still it's still okay to get excited but um yeah I I make sure that I'm only thinking about the race for, say, five to ten minutes in a, in a period that I um, that I choose to think about it, kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned there you've got a new pre-race ritual. I mean, for everyone out there, I mean, they'd have to copy this. But what what do you go yeah. through now before your races? Yeah, so I, I get up and, and I have my morning coffee and my breakfast, um, and then um, once I get to the actual um racing venue i i put my music in and it's actually like quite a mixture of like some slow calming music as well as some some of the music that i just like listening to and doesn't matter what order it's in but that kind of gets me (laughs) out of the zone and then um yeah just uh before my race probably about half an hour before my race i i will sit down with my coach and we'll talk about the race plan Mm -hmm. um and We'll talk about it for five to ten minutes and then um, I have to flick a mental switch off and, and not worry about the race anymore. We've talked about it and then, yeah, it's it's time to do your thing. And then it's ready to go. Yeah. But when did you start transitioning into more distance and, and open water? I know you obviously had a, a love for the tougher events even through mm. your teenage years, but when did you start to transition into more of an open water distance specialist? Yeah, so I would say after – um, doing that 10k, my first 10k at the Junior Pan Packs. Mm. Um, that's when I kind of transitioned more into it. Like I, I did our, like the the national open water championships, and when I uh, did do them, I actually got selected um, onto the Australian team um, for the Senior Pan Packs. After that, so it just kind of kept kept rolling on. Like I, I found out that I was good at it, and I'm I learned from every race that I did, and I mean I'm still learning now. It's mm. It's such a cool event how you how you can learn from from everything and no race is is going to be perfect I think. Yeah, and it's one of the big reasons why I wanted to get you on today for a chat because I'm mm. such a big fan of open water swimming. I think you know what you guys do is amazing both in training and in competitions. Um, and being a coach myself, uh, open water isn't always the easiest sell to swimmers. I mean, you even, <laughs> you even mentioned it yourself. They're like, oh, do you want open water, 10K? You're like, nah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. So if I was to give you the coach's hat now just for a second, um, yep. what would you tell swimmers listening out there in terms of why open water swimming is good and why even if they didn't want to f- chase it in terms of having massive goals for it, but why should they all be giving it a go at least? Yeah, so I, I know a lot of coaches now, like just in the little open water meets, are putting their swimmers in and um, giving them a go. Like for one thing, it's it's great training. You're getting you're getting that aerobic fitness there, which everybody needs to swim. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is like you don't necessarily have to be the fastest swimmer to swim an open water event or to to win an open water event. Mm more so being the smartest swimmer and, and a tactical swimmer. And that's that's what's really exciting too because you see people, so, some people in open water swimming do succeed in the pool but, but others don't and they're, and they're coming through and succeeding through open water 
just because they are that smart tactical swimmer and it and it's just really exciting because you really don't know who is going to win and who's going to get up there it's a tough event too isn't it like is there anything that has gone on and i don't want to scare people off either but is there any (laughs) sort of rough and and tumble stuff that goes on out there in terms of you know jockeying for positions and things like that yeah definitely like it it can be quite a, a violent sport and um they have boats out there looking for for roughness and mm. and that kind of stuff but a lot of things go on underwater that the boat just can't see yeah. um in I, I was at a world cup over in china i think maybe in 2014 and um i actually got kicked in the chest and it, it broke my one of my ribs wow. and that's probably the the worst injury i've ever gotten and mm. i mean that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. That's a very no. I don't want to scare case, people but... away, but yeah. I, I just I just <laughs> yeah. knew there would be some stories that come from this, and especially with the amount of open water stuff you've done. Yeah, and you know, most of the stuff is not actually deliberate. Like people yeah. aren't going out there to hurt you. Um, just when you're swimming so close to people, like you're always going to hit hands or arms. You know, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, now, I mentioned earlier that you've competed all over the world in open water competitions and we're mm-hmm. all very jealous of the countries <laughs> that you've managed to visit and race at and hopefully enjoy yeah. a little bit of your time while you're there. Um, yeah. Do you have a top three best countries that you've visited? Like I just take results out of it so I don't want you to go, yeah. oh, I really liked, you know, Tokyo or oh, I really liked um, South Korea but the results weren't as good or whatever. You, yeah. What were the top three countries you visited? Um, well, I think definitely my number one is Hawaii. Like I loved, loved Hawaii and there was a little bit, a little bit of time to enjoy the country and, and have a little bit of relaxation and that kind of stuff. And that was just really lovely. And I would love to go back there for a holiday one day. Mm -hmm. Um, my second would be probably Italy. Yeah. I, yeah, I really loved Italy. Um, the place that we competed was actually in a beautiful lake that was really close to like a, a winery and mm-hmm. vineyards. And it was just, just the sights were amazing. Yeah. But not only that was that we actually were there for a training camp as well. And we got to um, go into Rome and actually nice. look at all those sites. And it was just, yeah, just so amazing. And um, I think for the third one, it would actually have to be, um, Qatar, like um, there's there's not a whole lot to do, or or I haven't really experienced a whole lot to do while I've been over there in Qatar. But the the color of the water there is just just amazing. Like yeah, it just looks beautiful. Like the blue is yeah. Yeah. So it was just one of the pretty pretty races. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Now yeah. you've had a few big moments in your career so far, but definitely one of them would have to be the silver medal in Tokyo 2018 at the Pan Packs. Mm-hmm. Talk to yeah. us about the feeling of getting a silver medal on, on the international stage. Am I right in saying this was like your first big international medal? Yeah, well, it was my first big international medal. Um, I the, um, the year before maybe, um, I had gotten my first ever medal in a World Cup, mm-hmm. um, a bronze medal there, and that's kind of that was kind of my – my breakthrough performance before that I was lucky to get in the top 20. Yeah. Um, so going into Pampax, um, 
yeah, I was I was really nervous on what, what was going to happen because the Pampax before that, I, I think I came fifth and, yeah, kind of just off the medals there. Was, but, that, um, was that one of the Gold Coast? It, it was meant to be on the Gold Coast. It actually got moved to Hawaii oh, because there you go. of, yeah, water pollution. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just – it was so exciting. Like, I, I put myself in the top – three to three to four the whole way mm-hmm. and um yeah there was a sprint finish at the at the end and the competitors that were around me are ones that had had beaten me in the past and have really really good names for themselves i mm. had Haley anderson um who uh was a silver medalist um at the olympics in london and then ashley twitchell who was the 5k world champion and then anna marcella cunha who um has medaled in all three events at the world championships and has been named the best female um open water swimmer of the year for so many years running and it it was between the four of us all sprinting in together and i was like oh my gosh like i'm (laughs) in with big names here and i just put my head down and and just went as hard as i can and and me and Haley anderson actually got just a little bit in front of the other two and i was like okay this is my chance and you know, I I tried my hardest, but I couldn't quite get Haley. But touching in second was just, yeah, it was just incredible, and and it did give me a, a, a bit more confidence leading into that um, the Olympic year and trying to get Olympic selection. Yeah. Now, how do you celebrate? Because I know we we watch on TV these swimmers that do a hundred meters, right? And they touch the wall and they win a, a medal and they start cheering and jumping <laughs> around. But you've just finished ten k. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, is the celebration as as exciting as? Te- I mean, I know inside you're probably, you know, chuffed, but on the outside, is is it just like somebody pick me up? Yeah, like as soon as you touch the the gate at the end, it's like, yeah, you are excited, but it's so hard to even move after yeah. a ten kilometer race. So you're kind of like very excited inside, but. You just want to just relax and float in the water for a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a fist pump, but, yeah, it's definitely nothing like you see, a 100-meter or 50-meter sprinter. <laughs> this doesn't even get out of the water. It's just under the water fist pump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, last year in South Korea at the World Champs, you added to your career highlights and you finished seventh in the 10Ks mm-hmm. and you booked your spot on the Australian team for Tokyo. Um, this yeah. must have been a, a dream come true when you found out that you'd made the team for the, your first Olympics. Yeah, it, it was an absolute dream come true. It was it was the goal. Um, after missing out in 2016, I, it was something that I was really, really working towards and, and I wanted so bad and, and I knew that it was achievable. And um, but, but touching up at the end and I actually had no idea the position I had come Mm-hmm. In it, there was about, I think there was about fourteen of us who all touched together, and and it was a bit of a wait before I actually found out that I did get in that top ten, and yeah, like I was just so excited and so emotional, but yeah, it's definitely a dream come true. Now, unlike obviously the pool swimmers, you found out this last year, so you have to, I guess, your uh, wave of emotions is going to be quite different in terms of being super excited, but now it's back to work, and then you're sort of planning for already knowing that you're going there. Is that easier or harder? Yeah, like I mean, it's it's really good that that I have that um, certainty that I that I am going to the Olympics, and I don't have to 
to qualify. And so all of my focus now is on that event. So Mm -hmm. everything I plan for is planning to be on at that event. Um, but I mean, to, to keep my, to my focus there and my training, um, at the level it needs to be, I, I've got little competitions coming up just to, to t- test myself and and I'm even going to do some pool swimming as well mm. um, and do the trials for pool swimming just to give me those little, um, I, d- I don't know what you'd call them. Challenges? But like, yeah, I guess little challenges along the way just to, to keep myself where I need to be to, to get up um, on that Olympic day, yeah. Mm. Um, you've had some great coaches through your career, but talk mm-hmm. to me about what, JR, your coach, does that brings out the best in you, you think? Yeah, um, JR, he is just one of the most confident people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he will never let you not be confident. So you can always rely on him to, to get you up whenever whenever you're down. And, and I think that really, really helped me. And, you know, he has just had so much experience over the years. And yeah. I think this will be his fifth Olympics um, he'll be going to and you know he he just has so many inspiring stories and and that knowledge just just comes through and yeah it's just it's so great to be able to be coached by someone like him um yeah and and also the the training's a little bit different to to what I used to do like yeah. being an open water swimmer um I always thought that you had to do just lots and lots of kilometers all the time and mm-hmm. um JR's approach is, is mainly um, high-intensity training most yep. of the time and um, we we don't go overboard on the kilometres. Like seven kilometres a session is generally what we do, which is is a lot different to many of the other open water squads. Yeah, no, definitely. Must yeah. be working though. You're doing well. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, it is working. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, stepping away from the pool and the ocean for a little mm-hmm. bit, um, yep. What do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? <laughs> so um, I have just finished a, a degree in primary education. Very nice. Yeah, so I'm, I, I really, uh, really love yeah, teaching and, and doing that. But um, at the moment, that's kind of had to be put on hold um, as I train for the Olympics. Mm. But um, I'll definitely get back into that when, um, when the Olympics is over. Um, I don't know. I just I I like shopping a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a weakness. And <laughs> but you know, um, that's all right. it's a weakness <laughs> of my wife's as well. So it's, yeah, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah, but other than that, you know, I I I try to do different things like like going to the gym and um, doing cross training and cycling, and you know, my downtime usually consists of, of reading or or going to cafes with friends. Very nice. Now, one yeah. thing I've always admired about your career um, mm-hmm. is the longevity of it. So we all know our sport isn't the easiest to do, but um, mm-hmm. you've had to battle through and overcome many obstacles along the way and you're still going strong and kicking goals, obviously. You're off to the Olympics this year. <laughs> so uh, what yeah. advice would you have to all the young swimmers out there about you know, reaching their goals, but also staying motivated from year to year. As I said, it's, it's been a long career for you, so you've had the ups and the downs. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely been a long career. And, um, and, and you know, it is hard to be motivated all the time. And 
that's why I started setting really little goals too, Mm -hmm. like even goals within a session or within a week um, rather than just focusing on on major goals that you want to achieve. And and that's something that has kept me motivated because when you achieve a goal – you just yeah you just find that that sense of achievement and it's and it's really addicting so you want to do it again and and that's what i found has really helped me through and and you know there there's going to be setbacks and just trying to stay positive and surrounding yourself with positive people through those times really really helps yeah and and something that i i probably did wrong during my career is i i set a date or a year mostly that I was going to swim to mm-hmm. and I was like I'm going to swim till 2016 and then that will be it for me yeah and so I believed that all the way up until 2016 and I was like when I missed the Olympics I was like oh well I'm done I guess <laughs> and I but the problem was I still loved the sport mm. and I could not leave the sport on the low yeah and yeah it's just so putting that date on it, I think I expected it. I kind of told everyone too. So they expected me to quit. Yeah. And yeah, I just couldn't. And I'm, I'm so glad that I kept going because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at the result like the now. Stuff, the stuff that I could have missed out on. So yeah, one thing not to put a date on it and yeah, definitely setting little goals. Mate, what, what sort of, um, I talked about things and hurdles and, and ups and downs. What were mm-hmm. a few things that you did have to overcome throughout the years? Any sort of injuries or illnesses or? Yeah, I've, I've definitely had my fair share of injuries and illnesses. Um, probably the major thing being um, I just after I did make the Junior Pampax team, I actually um, got glandular fever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I when I felt better from having glandular fever, I just got straight back into training and it's something that wasn't recommended. And, and I thought that I knew better at the time. Yeah. If I felt good, of course I'm going to train. And it's something I tell everyone now, if they get glandular fever to just wait it out mm-hmm. um, and take your time because um, yeah, a couple of months later, I actually uh, got diagnosed with chronic fatigue mm-hmm. and um, that kept me out of water for such a long time. And, and it was something that um, I would turn up to training being absolutely exhausted and I'd get in the water and, and some days I could only swim 25 metres and it would take me about 40 seconds, which usually it would take 15 to 20 seconds for me to swim yeah. a 25 metre. And, and it was just so painful and so exhausting to do 25 metres of swimming. And, and it was so hard for me to understand why I couldn't, do the things that I'm mm. that I could normally do and it was so hard for everybody around me um to see me going through that and and to understand why that was happening and yeah and it took probably a good year and a half to actually get over that mm. and um yeah I just I just wish I could go back in time and and tell myself to you know slow down and <laughs> So that's and a tough period time. of time for you, though. What what sort of kept you going through? You say a year and a half. That's that's yeah. a long time to sort oh. of not be um, yeah. at your best and and feeling yeah. your best. What sort of kept you going? Yeah, it, it was actually it was a it was a really hard time, and it and it was something that like I I, I did go into depression, and um, I I had to to talk to people, and yeah. and it's something that does happen to athletes, and um, I'm just really lucky that that I had a coach who, who understood mm-hmm. and 
and his son actually um, had chronic fatigue as well. But unfortunately, his son gave up swimming, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't handled probably because no one knew how to handle it. But yeah. my coach, having that experience, um, obviously had some knowledge that he could pass on to me, and and that was something that really helped me through. And I, I even read lots and lots of books on chronic fatigue and mm-hmm. and found out that the best thing to do was to do some kind of exercise every single day yep. even if it's just a tiny bit of exercise just to keep that that body moving so you don't get into like such a such a fatigued state mm-hmm. and um so I just kind of kept pushing at the hope that that I would get through it and and slowly I was getting I was getting through it and um Going back into training, it would be like I'd do one session and have one session off and then we'd get in and we'd do a hard session, easy session, then a session off. And it was just a really, really slow process. But, um, yeah, I'm just so glad to be out of that and and looking back on that and being able to, to kind of warn people and give them advice too. Well, as I said, it's one of the things I've admired about your career and more power to you. I mean, I struggle to get off the lounge some days just to, <laughs> just to go outside. And you, know, you went through uh, a year and a half of, you know, battling through that and look where you're at now. So it's just a testament to you and obviously your, your mental toughness as well as your <laughs> physical toughness. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you could go back in time, though, so that the Karina now, if you could go back to the 14 or 15-year-old Karina and and take away what we've just talked about and that piece of advice do you have any other piece of advice that you give yourself oh I don't know I'd probably say like don't eat as much junk food (laughs) I could give myself that that advice now so I don't have to to go back in time yeah (laughs) I I, I did love the the food when I was a bit younger Mm -hmm. so and that took a while to actually um, get some weight off when I was a bit older. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think you know, I don't really regret anything that I did when I was when I was little. I was I had so much fun doing surf life saving and swimming, yeah. and even dancing back then. And um, and I think everything came together really good, and and it has created the athlete I am now. And and I, yeah, I really don't think I would change anything. Very nice. Um, <laughs> We discussed everything in terms of your swimming career so far, so I just want the listeners to get a little bit more of an insight into Karina Lee outside of swimming and just Mm -hmm. uh, the things you like. Um, So I'll give you a few quick questions and you just answer them as quickly and as best you can. Oh, okay. All right, so no pressure. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, I won't judge you for your choices in in taste of music. So uh, favourite music and artist? Um. Taylor Swift, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> uh, books or movies? Uh, books. What's your favorite book? Uh, I really liked Gone Girl. That was probably my favorite book. You watched the movie? I did watch the movie as well, but the book's better. <laughs> the book's better. I was going to say, I, I can't read books. My attention span is just <laughs> not that long. So I did watch the movie yeah. and I enjoyed it. So yeah. I'm glad that it's better. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie? Um, my favorite movie is probably Flight Plan. Okay. Very nice. Uh, yeah. What's your biggest fear? Uh, um, flying in a plane. Well, you've traveled all around the world. I know. I'm petrified. What do you do? Have to have a nap every time you get on? I'm getting, I'm getting a lot better, but um, 
look, it it takes a lot of self-talk to yeah. <laughs> to get up in that air and to sit on that airplane. And anytime there's turbulence, I will, I will be gripping onto the side of the seats. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you. Or the I, person next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have that same fear, so I'm with you. I can understand yeah. and relate. Uh, what's your favourite meal? Oh, um, chicken pesto pasta. Oh, good choice. Yeah. Do you like? Uh, <laughs> so you like the carbs? Yeah, I oh, love the carbs. That's like that's my pre-race meal as well. Yeah. If I'm at home cooking for myself, that's what I'll have before I <laughs> go to a competition. <laughs> nice choice. Um, yeah. These ones are a little bit more swimming related. Who's your biggest mm-hmm. rival? My biggest rival. Oh. In a nice way. It doesn't have to be like a an enemy way. Just your. The one you're always look next to you and they're there. I'd probably say Anna Marcella from Brazil, um, open water swimming, yeah. 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 Uh, teammate that is the biggest pest. <laughs> um, uh, Billy, I train with him. He's actually a Hong Kong swimmer. Yeah. Um, but he trains with in my squad and, yes, biggest pest. He, <laughs> he knows how to get on my nerves. <laughs> Can push the buttons. Yeah, he can push those buttons. <laughs> uh, funniest teammate? Um, funniest teammate? Um, probably Mackenzie Brazier. She's also um, on the open water team. She yep. is also generally my roommate and she cracks me up all the time. <laughs> Keeps it all lighthearted, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and best piece of advice that you've ever been given by a coach or it could be another swimmer? Um, just to focus on yourself and don't focus on all the people around you. I think that's, that's so important because I did used to think about what everyone else is doing. And if someone was beating me in training or if someone was pulling on the lane rope and backstroke in training and it was annoying me, you know, <laughs> yeah. just, just, you can't control them, but you control your, yourself. And I think that's the best piece of advice. I agree. I like it. Um, yeah. mate, when we redo this interview in two years time, um, what yeah. accomplishments will I be adding to that? intro which was already long enough as it is but if I'm going to be adding more to it uh, what am I going to be adding to it do you think oh well um well I will be an Olympian then yeah. <laughs> um and if if plans go well maybe a medalist there too very nice does that so does that question I know I asked that question does that go against sort of what you try and do in terms of planning so do you try not to look that far ahead i mean i can look that far ahead and have that in my mind yeah. but um but yeah there's little ones uh, along, along the, the way. way to get there <laughs> <laughs> well done um i think we'll wrap it up there karina thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your fantastic stories and i hope people leave this interview with a a very big admiration for you as an athlete and as a swimmer but also open water swimming as a sport Uh, because as I said earlier I mean it's a tough sport and only the toughest thrive in it which you obviously do and and more credit and power to you Um, good luck later this year at the Olympics I'm sure you're going to kill it and uh, and do your country family but most importantly yourself very proud and, uh, and I know we will all be watching and cheering you on and, uh, and hopefully get to catch up with you for another chat somewhere down the track, maybe just after it. Um, but bef- until then, mate, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. And, and yeah, it's, it's so exciting that um, 
for people to learn more about open water swimming because it is an amazing event and and it would just be awesome for it to have it have a bit more backing behind it so yeah thank you so much no worries mate i agree with you as i said it's a tough sport and i, I think you guys should be getting a little bit more credit than you do so mate good luck with everything and uh yeah we'll talk to you after thank you Massive thank you to Karina Lee once again there for taking the time to come on for a chat. Uh, Karina, like all the athletes and legends that join us on the show, do so out of the goodness of their hearts and also to give back to a sport and a community that's given them so much over their career. So for that, we are very, very grateful to each and every single one of them. Thank you as well to you guys, the listeners out there, for downloading and tuning in once again this week. Our numbers are going up every single episode, and I'm very humbled and uh, and thankful that you're enjoying our content here in Season 2, which is pretty awesome because uh, we're only just getting started. Our next episode will drop on Friday the 3rd of April and is going to feature a former Australian Sprint King turned US coach turned fellow swimming podcaster. He's got his own US-based podcast called Inside with Brett Hawke. Gave it away there with that. But yes, it is Brett Hawke and he'll be joining us for a chat, which uh, will be a lot of fun and certainly one you won't want to miss. Until then, though, guys, make sure you look after yourselves out there. Cross each bridge as it comes. Wash your hands thoroughly. Please don't take too many toilet paper rolls. And it's bye for now. 